Welcome to Office Hours, a social science podcast produced by the Society Pages at the University of Minnesota. Join us for conversations with prominent scholars, writers, and researchers as we discuss their ideas. In this episode, we talk to Tim Pippert, Associate Professor of Sociology at Augsburg College in Minneapolis. A paper he co-authored recently titled, We've Got Diversity, Yes We Do, Visual Representations of Racial and Ethnic Diversity in College Recruitment Materials, explores the numerical overrepresentation of students of color on college brochures throughout the United States. In this episode, we discuss the overrepresentation of students of color in brochures, the motivation of colleges to overrepresent, and the meaning of diversity on college campuses. Uh, Tim Pippert, welcome to Office Hours. Thank you very much. So we're here to talk about diversity, higher education, uh, the brochure project that you did. Uh, can you tell me about that paper and about that project? This is a, a project in which I work with uh, three former students now, one of which has his, uh, got his master's in um, leadership here at Augsburg, and another uh, student, that's Jay Matchett, and then another student, uh, Laura Essenberg, who uh, is now working on her PhD at Rice University. So I had two really fantastic students to work with over the last few years on this project. And basically what we're trying to do is look at the symbolic uh, representation of racial and ethnic diversity in college recruitment brochures. So we were really interested in, as an institution, is putting their, their best foot forward, their presentation of self. What do they want, what story do they want to tell in terms of how diverse their campus is? Is it a realistic story? Uh, or is it a story that, that maybe doesn't fit the reality of the situation? So one of the things I was wondering about is what the initial motivation for this project was. Yeah, Augsburg, um, when I started in 1999, um, was not nearly as, as diverse as it was, or as, excuse me, as it is now. And I got a brochure for the homecoming activities from what was going to go on campus. And I can't remember the year, but it was in the early 2000s. So this is an idea that had been festering for an awful long time. And in that brochure, they had this kind of then and now retrospective pictures. And, and the then from the 1950s were all um, white students. The, the men all had the real thin ties, the buzz cuts. The women were all in skirts. Um, and the now pictures, they were probably about... 10 uh, back and forth then and now kind of collage pictures. I would say probably 8 of the 10 um, it were, they were representing our student body as much more diverse. That probably 8 of the 10 showed um, folks who were what you would consider diverse in terms of race and ethnicity. And I, and I would just, at the time I think now actually that's a pretty reasonable representation of our student body, but at that time it wasn't. And I was wondering if you were an Augsburg alum who lives in Sun City, Arizona, and your only attachment to this institution now is what shows up in the mail, that you would have had this very different picture of this campus um, based on that one piece. Now, it's unfair to characterize an entire institution on one brochure. So, and, and I'd actually say that I think Augsburg does a really good job of this now. I think we're really good at that. So I was unfairly looking at 
one piece, but that was the motivation. So I started to think, well, is this just anecdotal? Is this one um, brochure that doesn't tell an accurate story? Or do most institutions tell accurate or, or inaccurate ideas about uh, race? And so what we did is, in, in terms of not wanting to um, look at institutions in isolation, we took a really pretty large sample and looked at um, 165 accredited colleges and universities in the country, and then um, asked for information from those as a prospective student, and then collected all of the brochures. And so we ended up um, analyzing over 10,000 images from those 165 um, schools that were randomly selected. And what were the uh, basic findings of that? Um, the majority of, of schools over, well, it's they don't provide an accurate picture. It's a little bit more um, nuanced than just saying it's over-representation of diversity. It's a, it's a different, it's um, basically what colleges and universities were doing is it seemed to be that in most of the institutions, when we looked at it as a whole, so we're not looking at the University of Minnesota, we're not looking, we're, we're, this is looking at the aggregate. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Most of the schools tended, as a group, tended to have a reasonably close representation of white to minority breakdown in the brochures. What was really interesting was what was happening within that um, percentage of students of, of color. So what, um, where the most campuses had a general overrepresentation of diversity, it wasn't glaring. It wasn't like they were saying we're 50% um, students of color and 50% white when it was really 85% white. They weren't like that, but what, what was interesting is, say, within that 15 to 20% of students of color, what was happening there with minority students is there was... Um, maybe a, a misrepresentation of what the student body would look like. And so what we found is that um, Hispanic students, pretty much non-existent uh, in, the, in the brochures. Um, Asian students were, um, there, there was, that was such a small group in the representation that was kind of hard to piece out, but it certainly was not a, a strong over-representation. Um, American Indian students, Native students, pretty much non-existent in the brochure. So what we discovered, and this is not terribly surprising, because this is what happens with a lot of institutions, colleges and universities were defining diversity as skin tone and physical feature, and within that, diversity meant having enough African-American black students on campus. That's that was the way that diversity was being portrayed within that. So within the group of minority students, you had an over-representation of African-American students and oftentimes an under-representation of the other groups. So this does seem to be a general, um, as you said, it's a trend, mm -hmm. an aggregate trend of universities. Mm -hmm. So why do you think universities are doing this? That's a, I think that's an interesting, interesting question because we can't answer that with our data, but we can speculate. Right. And uh, I think some of it is really aspirational. I think, I mean, it, it does take diversity to um, recruit diversity. And so I think some schools are saying, you know, like um, these are 
part of their, this is an expression of their mission statements. The vast majority of institutions mention striving to be more diverse or the importance of diversity in their mission statements. Um, so this is nothing that comes out of left field. I mean, schools are saying this is important to us. And so I think in some cases what you're seeing is, or schools are saying, here is, here's what we would like to be. Here's where we would want to be. And, and, and so I think sometimes that's aspirational. Um, it's also straight up a, a numbers game and it's good strategy. Because if you look at the demographic shift and where um, the growth in college students are, it's not among white students, but it's students of color, minority students. And so you would be um, really much, you, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be a smart marketing strategy if you're thinking about filling your classes, if you were still attempting to attract just white students. So it makes a lot of sense from a marketing perspective that's where the growth is as well. And I don't think it's, um, you know, it's not a secret that the, the best, the top of the elite schools, if you look at that body of elite schools, the, the more elite schools, the, um, the higher you get up in those rankings, they're more diverse in relationship to their peers. And so I think that that is seen as something that is to strive for, to be more like those schools. So there are lots of reasons that a school would want to do that. It could be aspirational, it could be straight up they need to fill their classes and that's where the where the growth is. And it's also that I think there's a, a strong assumption that, you know, diversity does lead to a better education. I mean, you know, it's it's a it's about diversity diversity of ideas. Interesting thing though is that there are lots of ways to be a diverse institution. But the brochures are really focusing on race and ethnicity. In the paper, it is mentioned the uh, rude awakening that students might experience mm -hmm. when they when they see a, a campus represented as one thing, mm -hmm. and they arrive and it's something else. Mm -hmm. Have you talked to students about this, or like how might this rude awakening be sort of lessened? Yeah, that's a um, there's there was only one study, and I don't think it was published. Um, folks at at an Australian university, looked at perceptions of students on campus. So they, the the difference was is they were they were students who were already enrolled in that campus, and they showed them the brochures of that campus that were um, misrepresenting, um, exaggerating diversity, and then asked them what that meant about the um, about their feeling about the institution, and. Um, Really, that again, not a surprise, but they found that the minority students were much less trusting of the institution after seeing that. Um, many of the white students didn't really care that that much about it in, in the same way. Um, so there, I think there's a lot of potential research here because we can just look at what students are presented with, um, prospective students, but the the feeling of of what that is like coming onto a campus and and not being where you expect to be in terms of a community, I think is, is, is a really great place for further research because that's really important. So that's not part of our project. Anecdotally though, as you talk about this, I've had many students who have transferred here who've told me, I came here because my first school seemed like it was gonna be a different community. One student in particular was from Minnesota, um, but she, 
felt compelled to go to the West Coast and go to a school where she thought there would be more folks that were like her and she could experience a different community. And what she found was a really isolated, small uh, community that happened to be part of the um, the campus persona and the brochures, but not really when she got to campus. So this is, I think, a bigger problem for students who were doing their searches for institutions that are far away. So uh, I don't think you're probably, if you are from the area and you know the institution, there's less of a threat. But if you're a student who is really interested in a institution that's far away, the brochures are much more important than to get to know the campus because most likely you're going to get, at best, a one-time shot to visit that campus. And so that that feeling, I think, can be pretty problematic for, for, um, for students if they get there and there's just not a big as a community as if that's what is important to them. Schools can um, work on that a little bit, one, by not exaggerating so much. The other part is having good student support services as well, that um, having a strong foundation for what students um, need when they get there so they don't feel as isolated is really important. There are plenty of time. <laughs> My next question is on the representation of whites. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I read this this finding right, mm-hmm. but the the less white the school was, the more white representation there was in the brochures. Mm-hmm. What's your sort of interpretation of this? Um, one thing I should say too is I'm doing this. I'm not sure it was clear in the beginning that what we're comparing is the actual student body with the photographic representation of that. So we had the actual student body representations to compare it, and that's where we're looking for essentially percentage difference with that and how accurate that was. One of the more interesting things I think we did, though, is look at um, how the percentage of whites were on a campus, and, and did that change the representation in terms of the brochures? So we broke, them, uh, broke institutions up into three categories and then ran ANOVAs on those. So one would be students or campuses that were 80% or more white, and then 79 to 60% white, and then less than 60% white. And what we wanted to figure out is what was going on within those uh, campuses when we looked at those kind of blocks. And um, you're absolutely right that white students, uh, or schools that had a smaller percentage of white students were more likely to overrepresent the white students. Um, speculation is all I can do, but I, th- I think, I mean, I, I seem feel reasonably confident in saying that there's probably a couple things that are going on. One, in the same way that um, diversity welcomes and encourages and grows diversity, these are schools where they may be using white students to welcome, encourage, and grow the white student body. That's, That's quite likely, and that's probably because of the undertones of what makes an institution um, something that um, giving an institution prestige. And I, and I think that a lot of institutions feel that prestige comes from being a diverse campus, but only to some degree. So there's what some scholars will talk about as a safe degree of diversity. Um, no one's used the, the tipping point analogy that I've read, but it really it seems to be that when you hear, um, when you read things from college presidents about talking about diversity, there seems to be this kind of 
safe place that here's where we can say see we're a diverse school but not crossing a line right and I think these schools may be at least by the institution's own identity think they may have crossed the line and they don't want to be seen as um, there's a difference between a diverse school which means mostly white and some students of color and other forms of diversity and there's a difference between being a school where mostly Hispanics go or mostly Asian students go, mostly um, African-American students go. That's a, that's a school, that's a different way that the schools are described. And I think what's happening with those schools um, is they're fighting that. Now, again, that's speculation. And the fact of the matter is there are very few schools um, that really are in this uh, group of, of really having less than 60% white. Because, I mean, that's that's evidence right there that we're really segregated in terms of the way our institutions work. Uh, do you remember if like these these colleges that were less than sixty percent were significantly less than sixty percent, or was it hovering around sixty, or was it varied? It was varied, um, but most of them were probably pretty close to the sixty percent, the fifty to sixty percent. the The number of students who would have been, um, or no, excuse me, number of schools that would have been in the 30s and 40s um, were really, really very small. Uh, there was a mention of Asian American representation mm -hmm. in brochures, um, but also the example of UC Berkeley, who sort of selectively includes them in diversity uh, statistics. Um, can you talk about uh, diversity for Asian American students and what that what that means or how it pertains to them? Mm -hmm. I would say that was probably um, one group that we had a harder time figuring out where it sits because in terms of the, the story we were trying to tell because the student body percentage in all of those 165 schools was only 3.6% and so the photographic means were about 5.3%. So I think it's ludicrous to assume that a school would be so accurate that, they, you know, that, that's a pretty hard bar to, to reach, to say, okay, we're going to have a brochure that has about 4% of our, our student body represented and accurate. That's really asking an awful lot. So any variation of that will create some significant differences. And so... They, there was a significant overrepresentation of Asian students, but, but you're starting with such a small baseline that that became information that we didn't put a lot of stock in. That, but, but there are ways in which we've heard of schools doing different things with how to count. And so you're talking about the Berkeley situation. Um, that's certainly one of them. I think um, when schools talk about diversity, they're they're very careful about what they mean by diversity and that shifts depending on the situation. So, and I think Asian students, um, because there's this perception of a model minority and oftentimes, again, our data doesn't show this, but I think this would be really interesting to go to the next level of research with this, is that um, at what point is that seen as a threat to white students? 
that, that there's some anecdotal evidence that what we're looking at that that would be really interesting. I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying what a really cool and interesting research project that would be. And I think where you see that is the way in which um, students, or excuse me, schools will use uh, Asian students to either say they're diverse or to pull back on that when um, they're trying to say they're not diverse enough. And so it really is, with, with many institutions, diversity is, is defined when we're talking about race and ethnicity in a way that's convenient. So if, if you're trying to make the case that um, we're a very diverse institution, then by all means, let's figure out all of the students of color percentage and here we, we go look how diverse we are. If we're trying to say we're not diverse enough, and we need to stop these legislative pushes to um, where we can't use race as part of our admissions, then oftentimes we'll, we'll pull back on that group and, and not include um, Asian students in that. So they become this interesting um, category where institutions will use them as evidence either way depending on what they're doing. But the most important piece is is this is not just somebody forgetting to add a group or uh, to their statistics. All of this stuff is, is very strategic. So this question sort of just came to me um, thinking about the affirmative action case in, mm -hmm. in Texas mm -hmm. and I think it was Michigan. Yeah. Um, and the colleges fighting against getting race taken out of uh, their admission criteria. Mm -hmm. um, why why do universities care? Is it because they want to do this so they can have the diverse student populations or Yeah, I I think that that most institutions understand that you have a better learning environment when you have a diverse diverse student body and I think they see including that in part of their admissions decision is a is a smart way to have a more diverse student body. Again, there are lots of ways that we could talk about diversity, um, but most of those are not being talked about. So I think that um, most colleges and universities see using that um, criteria in their admissions uh, decisions actually helps them attract a more diverse student body. And I think most schools see that that is important. I think it is important. Um, and so um, I think that's why they're they're fighting to keep that. Um, the next question is sort of about how the, the brochure study was done. Mm -hmm. um, and it, in the study, you acknowledge the the difficulty of sort of labeling people's races according mm -hmm. to like the way they look. Um, I was wondering if there is like any different way to do this. Yeah, that's a great question. We struggled with that quite a bit and one thing that we did to open ourselves up to all the potential criticisms uh, was to we probably did three or four conference papers on this work and we're very upfront about who we were and what we were looking for in these uh, brochures so the, f the fact of the matter is, is that you have three white researchers looking at brochures and trying to determine based on on physical features where you might consider to put somebody. So the accuracy 
um, of that is, I mean, you could look at that half full, half empty. And, and there's, a, there's a fair amount of research that tells you, tells us that, you know, people are pretty good at that. Um, they're not 100%. In fact, um, there's something I use in my class um, about a PBS uh, tool that looks at, at uh, race and, and the, this, the social definition, social construction of race, and actually, you know, has students try to, to put people to um, what they would perceive to be the, the race. And most of the time they get that wrong. And, and part of that, it's a setup as they, they um, pick folks who are not going to fit in uh, to these stereotypical uh, photographs in that same way. So, but there's some research that says people are generally, or at least reasonably accurate when you compare someone's self-identified um, race or ethnicity and people's perception of it. Having said that, again, we're still three folks looking at photographs. So we really are looking at um, a limited, we have a limited tool. And with that, we were exceedingly cautious. And if we had um, any questions, the, the respondent was, uh, or the, the photograph, the representation of that, we didn't, didn't include. Our justification for this and where, where we would set this up in the, um, the conference papers and get people's feedback is, is really we were doing nothing different than prospective students would do. That's something that many folks do on a daily, regular, continual basis. They're looking through and we have been so socialized to see race that that's what these students are doing when they see these brochures. And so what we were, what we were trying to say is not do we have this perfect, but if you were a prospective student, what would be your impression of this institution? Is this an institu institution where it's mostly white? Is this an institution that has a significant um, uh, Hispanic student population? That's what we were trying to do. So we don't think we've got it right uh, or perfect, uh, but we do think we've got got it to the level of where what's happening when students get this uh, information and we think that's the important piece here is would a prospective student think this is a diverse institution and if so how close is that to the reality so my last question was just related to what types of projects you you might do mm -hmm. uh, based on this or to further this mm -hmm. so here's a freebie because anybody can do this, because <laughs> I'm working on North Dakota research now, so anybody can do this. But with the, the, the parts that I think would be really interesting to take this, um, and we tried this, but I don't think we did a very good job. Well, I know we didn't, because we, we, there's this anecdotal things that you see when you look at these thousands upon thousands of images, but we couldn't get it to play out statistically, and I think part of it was our measurement. We were interested in activities within the brochure because anecdotally, I mean, um, it was certainly not in every brochure. And we, we looked at all of the brochures that an institution sent us. So maybe one school sent us one, but that was really rare. Most schools sent us piles of information. Um, in fact, 
my my daughter, who's the, a senior in high school, I would say we get between five and ten brochures every day uh, in the mail, and so it's just it's it's an exorbitant amount. So even though all this stuff is on the on the web now, this is still the primary uh, way in which colleges are trying to reach out to you. So I think future research would be really interesting to look at what students are doing in those. And I think our categories were too broad. So we were interested in who or what types of students are talking to professors. What types of students do you see doing sports? What types of students do you see doing uh, musical activities? Because um, the fact of the matter is, is that, um, you know, we just all, all of us remember going through all of those the, a pretty high number of times you see an Asian student playing a violin, right? You know, that's, I mean, that was just over and over. You would see these in these brochures. You're like, you know, not only do we have a different representation, interaccurate representation of race, what's happening within the activities of that? So I think that doing that better than we tried, and um, I don't think the numbers were just there. So I think you'd need a larger sample. That would be really interesting. The web stuff is really interesting. The difference, the reason we went with brochures is because that's how campuses reach out to you versus a student who just is interested in that. And they're also um, static versus moving images. I mean, you pop on one institution and it's got a photo and then couple seconds later it's a different one it's a different message than that brochure that's sitting on your bedside table uh, for a couple months as you make a decision um, so thinking about what students are doing I think would be really interesting also area of the country we looked at geographic distinctions but we use broad categories so we looked and we also looked at suburban urban rural and we found no statistically significant difference. So in one, in one way that tells us that this is a, a consistent issue that schools large and small, private and public, urban versus rural, um, in the Northeast and Southwest, the, the, the um, standard practice is to overrepresent your idea of diversity or your image of diversity. But I think it would be really interesting if you looked within smaller communities. Um, so not uh, not urban versus rural, but what's the um, minority population of this county or the city where this institution is, and how does that potentially alter the way in which a campus tries to present itself? Does that matter? I think that would be really interesting. Thank you, Tim Pittsburgh. For the, uh, for the interview. It was great talking with you, Matt. Thank you. Mm -hmm.